0: Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host Chase.
1: And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Welcome back to Revolution Podcast. There are a few things everybody needs to know. One, I'm not sick. However, I do sort of sound like I am, so I'm going to try to talk as little as possible in this episode so you guys don't have to endure the in and my weird sounding voice right now. And I was going to say something else too. Oh, yeah. Actually, that just proves my point. Um, (laughs) When you're pre-recording a bunch of episodes before your best friend goes to Austria, as me and Quinn are, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of have to pull some late nights sometimes and some grinds, and so me and Quinn are a little bit zonked right now, but that just makes it more fun. Um, uh-huh. Sort of. Uh, so our minds are a little bit spacey, but uh, we're going to do our best to make you guys not even notice that. Wow. And <laughs> with that is the most phenomenal transition point ever, because it's so related, Quinn has a wonderful question to start us off with. Go ahead, Quinn. This is one that I'm
0: actually quite interested in what you have to say. Okay. Um, because I don't actually know which, how you're going to answer this. Ooh, I'm excited. I don't know what this is. What is something... That constantly boggles your brain. I'll explain. Okay. What is something that when you're left alone with your thoughts, mm-hmm. what is something that you just constantly are thinking about? These are two different,
1: these are different things. Okay. Is bog- it something that Sorry. boggles my mind or something that I'm constantly thinking that, about?
0: I meant boggles as in constantly thinking about. Maybe boggles was the wrong word. That's
1: okay. Though My mind is on boggles now. Okay. I could talk about things I constantly think about if you no, like. No, no, constant that's what I want you talking. Con- what what do I what like what occupies my mind in in the quiet, peaceful moments as I stare into the abyss? Uh-huh. Um That's more difficult. Um I sometimes wonder if Starbucks is just a scam. Um <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if Australia is a real place or if they're just telling us it is. I've never actually seen it. I've never actually seen a lot of places, Quinn. Um, Sometimes I think about the fact that I'm always clapping. You're all like clap, clap. But when you clap, you slap your hands together and then you pause. So I'm always clapping, just sometimes I'm pausing longer than I usually do. I feel like, I feel like you're Kevin. I feel like you don't like genuinely think about these. I things. do. Sometimes I just I just sit. did you like like if you put your shirt on backwards, is the universe wearing it? I don't I don't know.
0: I don't know. That I'll be honest, that was not the answer. I was I was thinking you would answer. I it. mean, sometimes
1: I think about like Does the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father or the Father and the Son? What does it mean that the Son is eternally begotten by the Father, and yet He is begotten, not made? True God of True God, True Light from True Light, Everlasting from Everlasting. I'm like, I, these are words, but when I hear people try to explain them, they just use the words, and like, you can't use the word in the definition, guy. I don't understand what begotten made, just because you say, well, it means begotten. I don't, I, and it, it it confuses me. Mm-hmm. So.
0: That that was the answer. I was I was thinking. Not that wasn't the answer, but that yeah. was what I was
1: kind of. Yeah, there's definitely stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you know what boggles my mind, though? What boggles your mind? Bad drivers. Oh my word! I was on the highway today, and the left lane is for passing. Yes, and the there is like some big trucks. In the right lane and so i went into the left to pass it and then for about five minutes the left lane and the right lane were moving at the exact same speed and i was like what is going on here so eventually the left lane inches past these big trucks and there's this white um jeep in the left lane that's driving like 90 oh terrible and so there's like between me and this white jeep, there's like two other cars that are like press up close and i just go you know what do you know it's really bad when you can go into the right lane to pass people who are in the left mm-hmm. and that happened and i was just like huh. just that boggles my mind yeah what like just go mm-hmm. just go into the right lane like it's yeah all right anyways yeah anyways we've been talking about my brain for a long time no it's a bad it's a bad route of conversation what are we looking at in today's episode quinn we are asking
0: the question how do i live a life that is in the world but not of the world Mm. Hmm. it's a it's a long name
1: that is maybe we could say how do i live in the world but not of the world oh yeah yeah Okay. Yeah, I think I, th- that's that gets the point across, right? Yeah, I guess you don't need the
0: word a life.
1: What else would you be living? Yeah, a toad's life. Mm. My brain went to a toad as well. A, really? I don't know why. That's a weird thing. Uh huh. Um, quit what is the distinction between living in the world but not of the world? What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um. So I I think what what I'm trying
0: to get at is something that we see in the Bible is how the The Bible uses the world. I don't know if they use the word the world, but um, we often look at it as culture. Um, We often look at at culture in the world as corrupt and bad. And the Bible will talk about those kind of things as stray away from those um, bad things that are in the world. Do you want
1: me to specify like bad things? No, no. I I think we understand. I think I can, I think most people can catch your drift as to what you mean. Um, Why are things, Why would you say that? You said like, like generally like the world and the culture, that's, that sounds like it kind of encompasses basically everything, but you said it's like bad and corrupted. Why would we say that the world by and large is a very corrupted, bad place? Like, like why, why is it like that? Yeah. I mean, it all starts with uh, the corruption of,
0: of sin and how um, Adam and Eve, the fall, um, it all starts with that. And we've, we've, I mean, we still haven't reached perfection yet. And so we're, uh, always going to be searching for that, um, for sure perfection. For sure.
1: So when you say we want to live or that, I guess we are living in the world. So you could say that we're surrounded by this corrupted culture, this corrupted world. We're immersed in it. Um, but we don't, you're, you're saying that even though we're within that and surrounded by it, we don't want to live like it. Yep. We don't want to follow those patterns. Okay. Um, would you say it's like a sort of modern reflection of God's call to Israel in the Old Testament, um, like all the ceremonial laws and a lot of the, the the instructions he gave them was to separate them from the nations that surrounded them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he said you will be a royal nation or, or a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests, Um, and so a lot of the laws they were given was to distinguish them from the pagan societies around them. Would you see a reflection of that Old Testament theme for us living in the New Covenant, where we are now supposed to be distinguished from the pagan world around us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: I I would say it's definitely, um, we're called to live this higher life so that we can stay out of, um, the things that aren't going to
1: serve us. Right. But maybe, maybe here's a question. This is this is good. Um, doesn't the New Testament tell us that like the law came through Moses, right? Like so all those laws that separate them from the world. That was through Moses. That's the old covenant. But now grace and peace came through Jesus Christ, right? Aren't we set free from the law? Wait a second. I feel like there's a verse in Romans. There's there's lots of verses. Romans, okay. Galatians, I, Ephesians, Corinthians, lots of places you could look. Um, but why, what would you say to somebody who hears what you're saying? I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying this could be pushback people give. Is like, well, we don't need to follow like laws. We don't need to be like legalistic or anything. Like, we don't actually need to really worry because we don't live under the law anymore. We're set free in Jesus.
0: I, I would say definitely I think something that we see is Jesus um, didn't I th- correct me if I'm wrong. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law or get rid of it, but to fulfill it. Nice. Um, and so I, I think with that, it means um, we, we still have to hold true to the to the commandments that Moses was given mm. and, and the things that God gave us. Um, but I think we also need to look at what Jesus gave us as well. We can't
1: take one without the other. We need to look at both. Right. Would you say all, like everything in the books, the law in the Old Testament, would you say we need to follow all of those still today? Or is it different? I would say... Hmm. Like like would you mean like some of the the wackier laws? Okay. You yeah, know what yeah. I'm like like for example for example just as a very normal example, um you're in they weren't allowed to wear um clothing that was made of two different fabrics mixed together. Right. You it, you couldn't wear mixed fabric clothing. Um no Christian abides by that anymore, right? But why not? If that's the law they were given. Yeah. Um I
0: hadn't thought of that ever.
1: No, that's all right. Uh, something I can throw at. That we we would make a distinction between um, moral laws and ceremonial laws. Okay, Moral yeah. laws are that according to God's moral character. And so, and what's interesting is that most of the moral laws, I think almost all of them are reaffirmed in the New Testament as well by Jesus and Paul and different teachings there. Ceremonial laws were stuff like that, who, whereas their primary purpose was to separate them from... Um, the pagan nations around them the moral laws did the same thing but they were also attuning israel to the character of god and we're still supposed to do that um but what what like what do you mean that what do you think the new testament means when it says that we're set free from the law does
0: it have something now i i'm asking you because i'm i'm unsure yeah, yeah. possibly of this does it doesn't mean
1: we're, we're set free from those ceremonial laws or does it not have anything to do with that? I think I mean, that, that, that is part of it, right? Like we're told like circumcision obviously is brought up again and again in the New Testament. So like that just doesn't need to happen anymore, right? right. More to the point, um, what that means is that we are set free from the weight and guilt of the law. Right. Like uh, we're told that whoever stumbles at just one point in regards to the laws of guilty of breaking all of it and the punishment of breaking God's law, like what what are the wages of sin? They're death. And so the the, um, curse of the law, not that the law is a bad thing, we're told it's good, but the curse of it is that the punishment for breaking it is death and everyone breaks it. Um, and so I think what the New Testament means when it says you've been set free from the law is that you're set free from the weight of that in that Jesus bore that penalty of death for our sins, and so now we no longer have to bear the penalty um, so the law is no longer constraining, but it is still in large part the way we should live um it's like since we're now part of the family of God, it's like the house rules or You could think of it in the sense of like, what are we trying to do as Christians, um, but to glorify God, but to please God. Um, And how do we best glorify God? Well, what's the most glorious thing in the universe? God. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the best way to glorify God is to be a reflection of God. That's why we're called made in the image of god because we're made to reflect him back to himself because that's the most glorious thing that's why jesus that's why it says jesus was um that we saw in him the glory Glory glorious of the only son from the father he was a perfect um he was the exact image of the father's nature um because jesus like the father they possess that's what also says the fullness of deity dwelt in him bodily um what that means is that he possessed the full glory of god um just as the father did full uh, glory of deity and so they could perfectly delight in one another and so we as people the way we best glorify god is by reflecting him back to himself because that's the most glorious thing in the universe and so to glorify god or to ref- and to do that by reflecting him um if you hold up a mirror to your face what is in the mirror is it something like what do you see your face you see what's looking into it yeah. and so if god is to see us reflected back to him, uh, when he looks at us, he should see his character. Um, and his character, you, we see his character in the way he acts. And so we should act, at, that's why he says, imitate me, right? Imitate Christ, be holy as I am holy, because uh, we're supposed to reflect God back to him. And so we could say that the purpose of the law now in our lives is to help us become more like Jesus in order to best glorify God, also to help us live our most joyous lives. Um, because we are told that the pleasures of this earth, what are we told? Do not store up, for your, like store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. We're not supposed to store up treasures on earth where moth and rust do destroy, which essentially means he's not talking about actual gold and treasures. He means the things you value most. The things that you value most, if they're of this earth, they're gonna perish. They're gonna mm-hmm. f- uh, fade away. And so the, the whatever sort of pleasure that you're able to find on earth isn't lasting, it's temporary, it's fleeting, it will go away. Um, Paul actually at one point refers to them as deceitful desires because they lead you into death, into damnation. However, the pleasure that you find in God is more full. Um, That's why Jesus says, I have said these things so that your joy may be complete, that your joy may be full. Um, Not only are they more full, the joys that you find in God, uh, but they also last forever. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Um, and so the purpose of the law in, in our lives, the moral commandments of the New Testament is to, um, and I don't think there's these are separate things, it is to glorify God most by enjoying him most as well. And you both enjoy and glorify him because those are the same thing um, when you follow these laws. When, when, and it's it's not that you're forcing yourself to do that, it's that you want to do that, right? That's why mm-hmm. you find joy in it, because you find joy in doing things that you want to do. Yeah. And so, the purpose of the law now is to point us in the direction of how to find enjoyment and how to glorify God. I think that's where I'd land anyways, um, just as a preliminary thing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do we live in the world, but not of the world? So, we've kind of talked about like, Maybe the idea of the law in the Old Testament a bit, the law in our lives as Christians, as believers in the New Covenant. How do we live in the world, but not of the world? What would you say, Quinn, are the pressures of being a Christian, of wanting to follow God's law, and yet being surrounded by the world, by what you called a corrupt culture? What, like, how, how does that pressure us? Didn't Paul say that um, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation? Didn't Ezekiel say that God will take out of our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh? If we're Christians, why would we even sin anymore? Why would we even want to sin? What are the pressures that come as a believer living in a corrupt culture?
0: hmm Yeah, I, I I would say um, first off, I think we um people, first off, trying people trying to live that life um like in the world but not of it, um, I would definitely say we're a minority um because we're yeah, we're actively trying to push against our uh natural sin, our, our natural tendencies, which is sin. And um, sorry, my blind, my mind just went blank. What was the original question? It's all good. Um,
1: or maybe a follow up question. No, no, you're good. Uh, just kind of like going on the line of, what are the pressures that come onto a Christian who is trying to live in the world, but to live by God's law in the world? Like, why is it difficult to do that? Mm -hmm. What makes that hard? Yeah, I, I think because there's, I think
0: definitely because there's a lot of worldviews out there. Mm. Um, a lot of people who think different things about um, certain topics and whatnot. And I think as we um, try to immerse ourselves and uh, get to know people in the culture, um, we start to see all these different um, ways people think. Yeah. And so, and then people are people and they're going to uh, try and pressure you into those kind of things. Mm. Um, and it, it can, yeah, it can, it can take a toll on your brain and you can, um, start to consider certain things. Um,
1: Again, I lost my No, you're good. On. So when you say that, do you mean like worldviews, like other religions, philosophies, or do you mean lifestyles? L- Sorry, lifestyles. Lifestyles. Yeah. I-, I would agree with both of those things. I'm just trying to figure out what you mean. Yeah, so you mean lifestyles. Like people will have different lifestyles, try to press you into that. Or, or do you have any specific examples Um, you're kind of like thinking mm-hmm. around? Yeah,
0: I, I think definitely... Um, People who who have a mentality about um, just try and satisfy all of your needs um, mm. right away, that that kind of thing. Like if you have a sexual desire, going yeah. go and just sleep with someone. If you're right. feeling down, um, it's okay to get high or uh, right. get drunk. Those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, or people who just don't have as much of a clear moral compass. Yeah. Those kind of things. How do you fight against that as a Christian? Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's, there's definitely always that, that temptation when, when someone, when you hear about those things, when you, um, see what's actually going on, whether it's at school, university, just out at work, wherever it is. Yeah, I would say um, you, you can't do it. You, you need to sometimes, if it, if that temptation is really strong, you just need to pray. Yeah, um, pray for strength to to um resist the temptation and to um yeah just to to press
1: on to God's promises and his way of life mm-hmm. um are there any other are there tangible steps to fight temptation besides prayer that you know of or long term strategies or anything of that sort, or is prayer the only weapon we have against temptation? um not, not that it's a bad weapon at all right
0: um i would I would definitely say like depending on certain situations, I mean, you can you can leave those kind of um,
1: places. You do have like specific examples or is that you're kind of speaking in a more general sense there? No,
0: I, I'm, I'm trying to think, try not to put yourself in situations yes. where hey, yeah.
1: you yeah. will be
0: tempted. Yeah, that's good. I, I think that
1: that's where my brain was trying to no, get. No, no, that's, that's a very wise there. principle for sure. Why do people give into temptation? Because it's easy. Um, What makes it easy?
0: um, Because it's what our heart wants to do. Mm. Um, I think Romans 7 says, you might have to quote this one for me. No, you're good. I know what
1: passage you're speaking about.
0: Romans 7, for I do, again, I'm going to
1: butcher it. I can get us there. It's near the end of Romans 7. Here we go. Um. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now.
0: Can you read that first part again? I'm just trying to find the verse again.
1: There you go. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's that's very um, Paul kind of just speaking to where our natural tendency isn't to do good. Right. Our natural tendency is to fall into sin. Right. Um, it's easier because it's what our heart wants. Yeah. Um, we can't change the we can't, um, where am I trying to go? We can't, um, necessarily, uh, change our own hearts without God. We can't, um, do a lot of things without God's grace. We can't forgive certain people without God's grace. And so, um, We So often we're just going to give into temptation because it's easier because our heart,
1: that's what our heart desires, and our heart desires the evil things of this world. Right. So would you say a lot of this comes down to the process of sanctification, of progressively becoming more like jesus throughout your life of your heart changing to desire the things of god rather than the things of this world like like you said like sinning is easy because it's what we want to do and so the change i think fundamentally that happens in sanctification is that choosing god becomes easy because that's what you want to do right like when when you're when you're tasked between choosing like um to do something sinful and to not the sinful thing feels so easy because it's what you want to do. I think sanctification flips that where it's like, now the sinful thing seems like much more like unappealing and Mm -hmm. the following God is much more easy. Why? Because that's just what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, On that note, like, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of this, like struggling to like be surrounded by culture, be surrounded by corruption, be surrounded by people who are asking us to do these things, who are tempting us to do these things. And it is very hard because those things, it's so easy to see how those things please us. Um, It's so easy to see how those things um, give us pleasure and delight and satisfy some of our desires, um, the desires that we're feeling. I think I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that our problem isn't that we feel things too strongly like it, it isn't that we seek pleasure too strongly it's that we seek it too weakly um mm. and he said that because His thought, which I I agree with, is that if you sought pleasure to the utmost, you would never settle for the things of this world. You would never settle for like serial sex. You'd never settle for drugs. You'd never settle for alcohol. You never, you never settle for all these different things that seem to run rampant in our culture, because those things don't ultimately satisfy. They give a little bit of of satisfaction. They give a little bit of temporary delight, um, but ultimately they lead to more ruin than anything else. And he said. If we truly sought pleasure to the utmost, that would propel us towards God because God is what most satisfies and pleases and delights. And so a quest for pl- pleasure would never be complete until its pilgrim found God. Um, and I thought that was a very profound thing. Like, we don't, it's not that we want too much pleasure, that we seek delight too much as a people. It's that we settle for cheap delights and cheap pleasure and we mm-hmm. don't truly seek it. Um, and then just the last thing, and then maybe we can talk, because I, mean, I think this plays into sanctification. We can talk about that a bit, because I, I think you're right. A lot of this comes down to a fundamental change in heart. So that, because uh, if, if you're in the world and your choices are choose the thing of the world or choose the thing of God, and you just want to choose the thing of the world, well, we all know what's going to happen, right? So mm-hmm. fundamentally, the change that needs to happen is a change in your heart so that you want the things of God instead of the things of the world. Um, And moreover, that's what God wants. God doesn't want you to choose him because you have to, right? Like God said, like, these people bring me sacrifices, but their hearts are far from me. God wants your heart more than he wants your hands. Um, And so I'll just read this verse, and then we can maybe go on to think about sanctification, because sanctification is that change that happens in your heart, so you want Mm -hmm. the things of God. Romans 8 says... How would you say uh, there, there is, of course, fundamentally more than anything else, sanctification is a sovereign work, right? Like God needs to give you that heart to delight in him. But sanctification is beautiful because it's not just a sovereign work. It's also a human partnering with the divine. What would you say is our part of sanctification? The part we can play? What can we do to work towards a change in our hearts so that we delight in God? So we, del- like you said, um, I think closer to the beginning, so we delight in God's truth and aren't led astray by different lifestyles, philosophies, and religions in the world. We can hold fast to God's truth, what God wants, and what God delights in. Um, listening to that verse. Those who live according to their flesh set their minds set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Um, I think that's a good launching place to talk about sanctification. What do what can what part do we get to play in the change that happens in our hearts? How can we, we work towards renewed hearts?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, i I think um, I think it starts. Part of it starts with an open heart. Sure. an open heart to change um because i think as soon as we're open to changing um even though we might not always want to change yeah. there's something there that we can work with yeah um where we can start where we think we can allow god to then work in us right yeah does that make sense that makes sense yeah yeah and so i think um for us it it starts with this is where I want to get to. Sure. Um, almost having a, a spiritual or mental goal in mind. Yeah. Uh, this is this is where I am, and this is where I want to get. I would suggest Jesus
1: as a good example, right? A goalpost to work towards.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, and then just try and set your mind on the things of God, mm-hmm. the characteristics of God. Mm-hmm. Um, try and work towards those. Yeah. Um, what do you mean when you say the characteristics of God? Um, I I think we can look at the fruits of the spirit. Sure. Yeah. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness,
1: faithfulness, Faithfulness, self control, self control. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um, we can look at those. Yeah. Um. So, are you suggesting that people just sit and think, like, and recite that in their minds? No. Nope. Or like, like, what does it mean to look on the characteristics of God? Mm-hmm. Like, like practically, what does that look like for people? Yeah. I I
0: think it can look um. Like taking a, a deep self-reflection. Yeah. I I would suggest that. I would suggest we need to self-reflect more than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, self-reflect. Take a good look at your life, yeah. what you're doing, where you're at, the decisions you're making. Um, and are you happy with that? Mm. Are you happy with, um, for some people, it's are you happy with living of the world? Yeah. And if you're not, um, then, uh, we can look to those characteristics, and yeah. and what I mean is, look at acting upon those. Mm. Look at acting upon loving. Yeah. Upon being gentle, about upon being faithful. Yeah. Um, caring, having self control towards others. Yeah. Being gentle, those kind of things. Yeah. I think um is a place to start. Of, I don't I don't want to be in that bad
1: spot anymore. Right. Okay. So you said. I like that. So, reflect, see the flaws in your life, the areas you want to improve, the the, the things you're doing that make you unhappy. Um, now look at these good things to work towards, like how to like think on how can I be more loving? How can I be more kind? How can I be more gentle? How can I be more peaceful and patient and joyful and all those fruits? But those fruits are fruits of the Spirit, right? And an orange doesn't grow on a peach tree, right? An orange grows on an orange tree. Um, the fruit is the same character as the branch, the tree it grows on. And so if these are fruits of the Spirit, that means all these things are the character of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit <laughs> is God. So when you say to to look to the characteristics of God, um, maybe fundamentally we can before looking to ourselves how do we look to god to see to see how we line up against him because he's the standard right like jesus is the standard of moral living jesus is the standard of how we want to live jesus is the standard of this the comforting character of god that we find peace and solace in right like jesus had to abide in him Mm -hmm. um so how Could we encourage people to dwell on, meditate on, invest in, and learn of the character of God? Because I think a lot of the problems in our churches and in our youth groups and in our lives as believers is that we don't truly know God. Um, And so before ever looking at ourselves. Not. That I, I agree. I think we need to do more self-reflection. Absolutely. I also think we need to do more God reflection, more God seeking out, more like holding up a magnifying glass to God and realizing, whoa. Um. So how can we encourage people and give people practical steps to seeking the knowledge of the holy, seeking the knowledge of the divine first? Um, how can people dwell on who God is. Um, cause if you don't know who God is, what do you like as a Christian, like maybe as an unbeliever, whatever, like you don't care. And of course not, um, you don't believe in him. But as a Christian, if we're calling ourselves children of God, if we say, well, I want to live a life for God, we don't even know who he is. What are we doing? Right? So how can people learn who God is? How can people come to know God? How mm-hmm. is that done practically tangibly as a believer?
0: Yeah, and and I think uh, I guess to try and clarify and, and correct me if I'm wrong. No, you're good. You're saying um, to to re- look at a you call it a God reflection. Yeah. Take a look at God's character yeah. as much as possible, yeah. and then do a self reflection.
1: Yeah. How? Because we're we're told to like quite literally imitate God. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think that's the highest calling in our lives, and that's amazing. Um, we're not supposed to be good according to our standard of good, right? We're supposed to be good according to God's standard of good. Okay. Um, And so a lot of people have a lot of definitions of what good is, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the Bible disagrees with a lot of what people say is good, especially nowadays. Um, And so I think before we can put put any positive change in our lives, because God doesn't just want us to act correctly. He wants us to love him. Um, and then good actions flow from that love. Um, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be good actions first, right? Sometimes you know it, it's it's like it can be a sticky process of like I'm having trouble with my relationship with God, so I'm gonna act good, and then love is gonna flow is gonna come from that, and then it's then it's gonna run away with itself, which is great. But um, fundamentally, right, like as a health, living a, a life of a healthy believer, um, you need to have an affection towards God. And to have an affection towards God, you need to know who God is. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm going at there. Okay. Yeah. So how can people come to know God? Um, if if knowing God is the best and highest calling we okay. have, yeah. how, how can that be done in our lives? Right? Because I, I think like, how do I live in the world but not of the world? Well, I know who my father is, and I know how my father wants me to live. And guess what makes me happiest? Living the way my father wants me to live. Yeah. Nothing makes me happier. But you can't say that unless unless you do know mm-hmm. your father. Yeah. And I
0: and I think um you briefly mentioned it, but I, I also want to highlight um God's an, an infinite character. He's and we are not going to fully be able to understand every single aspect of him. Absolutely. And that's and that's actually part that's of the good news, yeah. that that's the joy that we have. Yeah. We can spend eternity looking and learning about Jesus yeah. and God who he is yeah. and we wouldn't know everything. Yeah. And and that's amazing. Yeah. Um and and so I think where do we find that? Um where do we find how we even get a glimpse of who God is? Um you gotta look in the Word. I mean, mm. y- you mentioned that, yeah. Um, because you're gonna see how God loves, yeah, and you're also gonna see how much we fail to love, yeah.
1: All right, I've got a few passages, um, I think that can give us some direction and like, how do I know God? Verses from Hebrews. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. God's invisible. You can't see God. How can you see him if you can't get to know him? Well, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He says a few things. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And listen to this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Then John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the life was light of men. Then he says, And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. We touched him, we we saw him, we hugged him, we ate with him. God. Like, like I touched the face of God. That's amazing. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, he has, listen to this, Jesus has made God known. <laughs> I think you're right. We need to get into the word, right? Like, like those who dwell in things of the spirit live by the spirit, right? Like with our minds. That was Romans 8. Jesus in John 17, 17 said, sanctify, that word that we're using, sanctification, changing the heart, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, right? Like we're sanctified by the Bible. Also, we come to know God by Jesus. Like the whole Bible is about Jesus. So when the like the reason we get into the word is because it points us all towards Jesus. And that's how we get to know who God is. Um, like all those things you said, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those aren't like apples and oranges and bananas and grapes and coconuts. Th- those are like God, right? Like all those words, when you think of those should propel you to think of scripture, to think of God. What is love? Well, this is love, that he first loved us and laid down his life for us while we were still sinners. Okay, love, joy. What is joy? Joy is God delighting in his creation in Genesis. Love, joy, peace. What is peace? Blessed are the peacemakers, said Jesus. For the kingdom of heaven will be a kingdom of peace. He will wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there will be no more sorrow, crying, or pain. That's peace. Love, joy, peace, patience. What is patience? God's long-forbearing, Israel, the whole Old Testament, us. God is Romans 9. Patiently enduring vessels prepared beforehand for wrath, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. What is kindness? God, like all, like all those words are God, right? Like that's what you were saying. Characteristics of God. Um, and so, yes. We should be in the word. We should be seeking to know God. We should be seeking the testimonies of Christians. What does Revelation say? They cast down the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Listen to the testimony of believers around you uh, because there's power in that because you get to see the way the character of God and God worked in their lives. Read the Bible. Come to know who God is. Learn about his love. Learn about his sovereignty, his power, his all knowledge, his all presence, his Kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, wrath, love, judgment, um, all these different things that he's done, and learn that primarily through Jesus Christ. Um, that how that that's how God has spoken to us in these last days. That is the image of the invisible God, that is the word made flesh. And John said, nobody's seen God except God. And God became flesh and made God known to us. Jesus made God known to us. Yeah. Even with the Old Testament, Jesus, we like we, we knew something of God, but because of Jesus, we know everything about God that we need to know until we go to heaven. And so I would encourage people, like, like we said at the beginning, like, like you said, absolutely self-reflect. Where am I failing? Where am I unhappy? Where is the sorrow? Where is the pain? And then you should have standard to work towards. Jesus is that standard, right? Have the interests of Christ. Have, Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Um, we're told to abide in Christ. Jesus said, I am, the, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Whoever does not abide in me, you can do nothing, right? And anybody who doesn't abide, that branch goes dead and it get cut off and thrown into the fire, right? Like we're, we're, we are only as useful and good and um, what would you say? Delightful to God, so much so as we are in Christ. Like, there is nothing good about ourselves as people. That yeah. we're corrupt. That's why we need to become new people. Um, but we're told to put off the old self and put on what? Put on Christ. He's this new covering for us. He He's this, like, skin that we put on. And, like, it's so tightly bound that that's just who we are. John prayed, "I let me decrease so that you may increase. Like, that should be our attitude. How do you live in the world, but not of the world, live like Jesus. Jesus lived in the world, surrounded by the world. Satan came to him personally. Satan probably isn't going to come to you personally, but Satan went to Jesus personally, tempted him three times, um, very powerfully too. And Jesus resisted by the power of the word, by the way, Mm -hmm. like you said, be in the word. Absolutely. That's a very tangible step. Pray. Pray. For the sovereign joy of God to indwell your hearts. Be in the word. Sanctify. What does Paul say in Romans 12? By the renewal of your mind. Do Not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Our minds are renewed by the word. And live like Jesus. Stand up for the truth. Do not be afraid of the truth. Preach and demonstrate the gospel. Always. Um, yeah, I just, I just encourage everybody to... Come to know God by Jesus and live Christ-centered lives. That's how you live in the world, but not out of the world. Because Jesus lived in the world, but not out of the world. So we can do the same by following His example.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think if you're someone who's struggling um, to live that life that is um, in the world but not of it, I, w- I would say seek out friends who who are actively as well trying to live that life. Yeah. And and if they're quote unquote might be doing it better than you mm. um, again, seek those people out because mm. they can help you and they can be someone for you to lean on and talk to and be like, hey, I'm I'm actually struggling with this right now, but I don't want
1: to, how how would you suggest going through this? That's good. Yeah. That's what I would say. That's really good. Yeah. Um tangible steps. Yes. yes. Seek help from other believers. Um, pray, be rooted in prayer, and be rooted in the Bible above all things. Pray and read your Bibles every single day and look for Jesus and look to see how you can imitate Jesus every single day. Right, like if you need to, like in the morning when you do devotions, write down one sentence, this is how I will live like Jesus today. This is how I'm going to do it. Just do one sentence every day. That's easy. You don't need to write a paragraph. Don't need to write a page. Write one sentence, this is how I'm going to live like Jesus today, and then actually go do it. Mm-hmm. Do that yeah. every single day for the rest of your life. Guess what? 365 days in a year, if you write something different every single day, that's really, really good. Yeah. Do that for 10 years, that's wild right? Like one sentence every day, this is how I'm going to live like Jesus and actually do it. Those fruits of the spirit, list them, say, this is how God is loving. This is how God is kind. This is how God shows self-control, all these different things and say, now I'm going to do it just like God did. And I see that by his son, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus Jesus lived in the world, but not of the world. And so because of that, we can do that as well. Yeah. yeah. Any other thoughts or? No, I, I, I would say
0: um, there's something... I mean, you said live like Jesus a bunch, and there's a there's a big sign at the school I used to go to. Um, it, it was a church as well, yeah, and a private Christian school, and it, it said, on in the gym, it said, "Live like Jesus, love like Jesus." Mm, yeah, and if you if you think about that enough, if you try and input that, if, if you write that down, yeah, um, that can radically change your life. That's good.
1: Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, we've reached the end of the time for our episode. Um, whatever platform you guys are listening on Spotify, um, Apple podcasts or anywhere else, just really appreciate if you guys follow left a review um left a rating little ways free ways for you guys to help us but it does go a long way check us out on instagram at revolution pod for more updates if you guys have any episode ideas deep questions things you're wrestling through uh prayer requests anything like that please do not hesitate to send them to us we love hearing from you guys communicating with you guys we'll be here next week tuesday as we always are releasing a new episode and we hope to see you again then until then hope you have a great week see ya